What's going on, guys? We've been having a blast this week, uh, getting to talk football with you guys and and uh, watching all the presentations on our virtual summit. Uh, if you guys haven't seen any of those, right now it's free if you watch it live. Uh, we still have got a few more uh, to end the week off. Uh, we got some really great presenters. We've had some amazing presenters. We've got great feedback from it. Uh, thank you guys so much, and and uh, make sure you check that out. If you miss any of them, you want to go back over them, you can get the all-access pass. That's on our website, runthepower.com. Uh, if you're a premium member, you get a uh, basically a $50 discount on that. So uh, big, big discount to our premium members. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by GoRoute. GoRoute brings practice efficiency into the 21st century with on-field digital risk coaches. Trusted at practice by more than 350 high schools and 30-plus FBS and FCS teams, GoRoute allows coaches to instantly send scout cards and installs to players so they can stay up-tempo all practice without the need for binders or managing multiple huddles. Compatible with all major play-drawing systems and hand-drawn cards, GoRoute teams routinely double or triple their practice reps daily. If you value practice time and want the best preparation, then you need to go no scout cards with GoRoute. Learn more at www.goroute.com, which is G-O-R-O-U-T. Email at sales at goroute.com, or just give them a call at 866-777-1448. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Sideline Power. Sideline Power is the industry leader in coaching communication. Offering cutting-edge technology and innovation, Sideline Power helps coaches around the country elevate their programs to the next level with new and used headsets, end-zone cameras, drones, portable sound systems, timers, and much, much more. Sideline Power works one-on-one with some of the most influential coaches and nationally ranked programs in high school football. They continue to help coaches push the envelope of player and program development. Throughout their expansion of their product offering, Sideline Power has remained committed to offering quality coaching communication at price points for every program. They're family-owned and operated with a customer-first mentality. Sideline Power is truly the number one choice for coaching communication. Visit them at sidelinepower.com, at info at sidelinepower.com by email, or give them a call at 800-496-4290. This episode is also brought to you by uh, Guardian Caps. Both of our programs uh, at Broken Arrow and Ankeny invested in Guardian Caps this year, and we feel that they are really helping our guys out. Uh, they're soft shell helmet covers that reduce impact during practice and are used by over 100 colleges and 1,000 high schools. Texas, Clemson, Oklahoma are just a few of the colleges using them right now. Check out our show notes to see what Coach Lincoln Riley has to say about them at OU and to get some pricing. Uh, and they're actually a lot more affordable probably than you guys would even think. Uh, go check them out at guardiancaps.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Ryan McDonald. Coach McDonald is the offensive coordinator and offensive line coach at Indian Creek High School in Indiana. Listen as we talk with Coach McDonald about his movement up the ladder of coaching in Indiana, the use of 12 and 21 personnel in his offense, and his favorite run schemes. You can follow Coach McDonald on Twitter at CoachRMCD60. Hope you guys enjoy. Um, I grew up in a a suburb of Indianapolis uh, named Carmel, Indiana. Um, It's about 15 minutes on the north side of Indy. Um, Played football. My dad... uh, played football through college, was a uh, Hall of Fame 
uh, inductee at Ball State, uh, the Mac school up in uh, Muncie, Indiana. Um, so football was always kind of one of the things that I knew was a big part of my life. And it was, an, I knew it was always going to be something uh, to be a big part of my life. So um, growing up, uh, went, played football, started three years at Carmel High School, um, one of the bigger uh, powerhouse schools in Indianapolis. Um, it's part of the MIC conference, which a lot of a lot of Midwest um, teams hear about just kind of being one of the big powerful uh, conferences in uh, the Midwest out of Ohio, Illinois, Kentucky. Um, graduated, uh, wanted to play, ended up playing at a small school um, named Franklin College, which is about 45 minutes south of Indianapolis uh, or 45 minutes south of Carmel. Um, ended up going to camp playing um, and then re-injuring a shoulder injury uh, that I had in high school um, and kind of knocked me out for, for the season and I was going to have surgery and take a year off and start coaching somewhere. Um, but I ended up getting on a local high school just about 15 minutes north of uh, the college um, as a paid freshman assistant uh, when I was 18. Um, and finished up there and then kind of had some crossroads to go by, uh, whether it was, do I um, have this another surgery and, and come back and, and play a couple more years, or do I just start coaching? Because I knew um, my goal from when I was younger was always to be a coach. Um, I mean, it's pretty much all I knew with my dad and growing up around the game and everything. So um, I chose just to kind of continue coaching. Um, I was at Greenwood High School uh, for five years, four of those as a freshman assistant. Uh, my last year there was a varsity running back and defensive back coach. Um, that was a uh, quite a change from offense and defensive lines. Um, and then the head coach at Greenwood got the opportunity to open up a new school uh, on the northeast side of Indianapolis, uh, Fishers High School. Um, the uh, the Fisher School District was splitting uh, high schools, so we went up there, and I went with him. I was lucky enough to be named the varsity offensive line coach. Um, so I uh, went up there with him and kind of started the program from scratch, and uh, was was a great experience to kind of see how to build a program from scratch. I mean, it was ordering uniforms, ordering pads, ordering dummies. It was like Christmas every single day, um, just getting stuff delivered to the the football office and everything and uh, was there for four years um, and then had the opportunity to coach uh, back in my alma mater uh, as an assistant, uh, as a volunteer assistant starting out. Um, and then I coached six years at Franklin College. Um, most of those, well, I was a tight end coach um, and assistant offensive line. Uh, then uh, after that, had uh, the opportunity, had an offer from a team we, we hosted at a team camp at Franklin to go and be uh, an offensive line coach uh, at a, a school uh, on the west side of Indianapolis, Mooresville High School, um, and that turned into my first OC job. Um, about halfway through that first year I was there, I kind of took over play calling um, and everything. And then uh, this year was my first year at uh, Indian Creek where I am currently a buddy of mine, got the head coaching there or head coaching job there two years ago and uh, was able, wanted me to kind of come along and help him. Um, and that's where I'm at today. So um, I've kind of been pretty well traveled for a 36 year old. I mean, I just finished up year number 18, um, which I mean, a lot of guys don't have 
can't really say that because a lot of guys, I mean, obviously played until their early twenties or mid twenties and everything. But um, looking back on it, I mean, it's, I, I always think of where I would be at if I continued playing versus coaching, but I mean, man, I made some great contacts, had some coached a lot of great kids, um, still keep in touch with a lot of guys from that first couple of classes um, of being a freshman coach. I mean, I've DJed actually, I, I run a DJ business on the side. I've DJed most of their weddings. Um, so, I mean, it's been, it's been a pretty great experience. Wow. A lot to, uh, a lot to um, uh, unwrap with that. Like you said, that's, that's oh, unbelievable to have that, you know, long of a coaching career and, and be 36 years old. That's um, almost unbelievable. I mean, to, right, to right. get that much football in that short amount of time, that, that's, um, you know, I'm love, I love that I got to play so much football and got to play into my twenties and all of that. But um, I'm jealous of that is being able to fit so much football uh, so early in your career. Right. And I got, I got real lucky. And the, the guy I got on with when I was first starting out, um, it, it was, he's an old school throwback coach. Um, he's been extremely successful. He's got a few state championships under his belt. Um, I was unlucky enough to, I left to go to Franklin the year they ended up winning another state title. So, oh. uh, they, they thanked me, <laughs> they thanked me, uh, for leaving cause they, uh, they said it was, uh, that was the reason why they ended up winning state. <laughs> and right. the funny thing is I left Mooresville this year and they ended up having one of their best years ever. So, um, they were just kind of, my head coach currently was like, man, I might need to get rid of you so we can end up going to state and have a good year. So. That's great. Well, my kind of, my, my always kind of wonder what made you decide to, um, you know, you're an offensive line coach, and then I think it's probably not everyone's dream, but everyone wants to try it out and, and take that leap into going from the offensive line coach into, you know, coordinating the whole offense. So what kind of what kind of things started making you think, okay, maybe I am ready to make this jump, or was it a thing where I know you kind of said halfway through that season is when you took it over. So was it just kind of a necessity thing, or was it something that you'd been looking into and wanting to do um, and wanting to grow into eventually? It, it, it was something that I always kind of wanted to grow into. I knew my goal or my end all goal was to be a head coach um, sometime, someday. I mean, I've, I've had tons of interviews and stuff and just haven't had the right opportunity, but just uh, knowing that I wanted to be a head coach, obviously I needed to take that next step um, into running a program, into coordinating an offense or defense um, and had the opportunity. We when I got hired on at Mooresville, um, they lost a, they were a shotgun threat team the year before they, well, they lost their quarterback and um, the backup guy that was coming in was more of a, a scat back type guy, more of a runner. So they decided to go to a flex phone, um, veer mid midline, all that type of stuff. And uh, they were running that all through the summer, probably the first, I mean, we ran it all through camp got into game one and our quarterback just wouldn't pull the ball. Um, <laughs> so obviously option football kind of goes out the window when you got a guy that won't pull the ball. Um, so we got into week two thinking, uh, we got to do something here and uh, made a switch quarterback and ended up putting a guy in there that wasn't a super great passer, but kind of fit more of a spread uh, zone read type offense. Um, which is kind of where I came from. A lot of the stuff that we did when I was at Franklin um, was zone read, uh, a little bit of power read stuff mixed in, run game-wise. Um, so 
I just kind of took it and ran with it. And um, about halfway through the year, uh, we were kind of hitting a stall point. Um, I was scripting everything. I was game planning everything. Um, but the, uh, my head coach was calling plays. And about halfway through the year, we got into a game. I was like, man, I just started I just started calling and started hitting. And <laughs> was having some pretty good luck. And he just said, you got it, man, take over. So um, from there on, we uh, we were just rolling and uh, ended up winning a few games down the pipe. Uh, we were had a rough year, obviously, switching offenses three weeks into the season. I mean, you're, you're kind of putting yourself behind that, the eight ball. Um, but ended up winning a, a sectional game in our in our state tournament. Um, and I mean, we did some good things, but obviously, I mean, kind of put ourselves in a bind that way. So, how did you guys kind of graduate from that? So you know, you you change midstream. Were you able to to kind of get a little bit more continuity then the the next season or, or kind yeah, of yeah? Well, our, our head coach dinner, actually uh, our head coach actually resigned, um, and uh, they hired a gentleman who is the third all time winningest head coach in Indiana high school history, um, who is a spread. Uh, kind of an old school run and shoot guy. It's kind of a mix of some run and shoot, but just kind of more spread passing game principles. Um, and he throws the football. Um, so we started out uh, my second year there uh, throwing the ball, same kid at quarterback. Um, he made it about halfway through the year, and then w- they made a change um, to the backup um, who just fit the offense a little bit better. Um, and that starter moved out to wide out and ended up having a great year. I mean, I think he ended up having over a thousand yards receiving in like six games. Um, but the backup came in about halfway through our senior night, which was about game five for us, uh, went for about four thirty-five and like three or four touchdowns, uh, in about two and a half quarters of play. So, um, they kind of found the, the air apparent to fit, uh, the head coach's offense. So, um, it definitely was a lot more spread stuff, but I mean, more more throwing than running. Coach, uh, you know, as as an offensive line coach, and this is where it's always difficult for me, and probably just haven't been in the game enough yet to to know when this when to do these things. But um, you know, as an offensive line coach, you're so worried about being obviously a really good offensive line coach. So you're studying run game, you're studying pass protections, a lot of run game. What are other teams doing in the run game? Making sure it's clear, concise, purposely be for offensive linemen. Uh, but obviously, eventually, for a lot of guys, the goal is go be an OC. Well, to do that, especially if you've been a lineman your whole life, you know, you got to have a pretty good, if not a great, grasp on pass games. So uh, when was it that you started looking into that and start trying to learn that, those things? Was it not maybe not even the year? Is it something you try to do over the summer or the off season, Or is it uh, maybe just pay good attention uh, to the coordinator when he's talking to his quarterbacks or – or when, did, when was it that you started really start trying to grasp uh, some of those passing concepts? Um, my When I first started out at Franklin, um, I mean, they're predominantly a run-and-shoot team. Um, I mean, they're they're amongst the top. I think they actually were this year the top offense in Division Three uh, per game and points per game. Um, so, I mean, we threw the football all over the place at Franklin. And coaching tight ends, you kind of get both of those worlds you get the passing game but you also get the run game into it um so i think that was kind of the first stepping stone into that world um was coaching tight ends and just kind of being able to to learn the finer points of route running and learn the finer points of how to run again or what to run against certain coverages and things like that um but yeah before then i mean it was it was run game run game run game pass pro pass pro pass pro 
Um, but, but since then, and obviously knowing where I'm at now, um, I mean, that's kind of the thing over the summer. And then also obviously teaching guys, my guys, um, what we want to get done in the past game. I mean, we, we, this year, um, they graduated their a quarterback going into this season. So we didn't have a real, a true quarterback. So we put our best uh, receiver back there. So we threw the ball just enough to kind of get by, but we were definitely a run first offense. Coach, if you had kind of your pick, you know, it sounds like you've been in, you know, like kind of, kind of like myself, you know, had to coach in about every offense imaginable. You know, if you had your choice, you know, what, what would it kind of look like in, in the ideal world? Um, going into this year, man, I was, I was a huge, like I, everything I wanted to to do was spread zone read, power read, all that type of stuff. But as we kind of got into this year, uh, we kind of morphed into more of a double tight end, uh, with two receivers and just kind of dress window dress formations with receivers, um, kind of switched me a little bit into wanting to be more kind of pro style being able to get under center, being able to run true power, being able to run true inside and outside zone. Um, and then also, I mean, I, I have a man crush on Matt Canada, just watching his shifts uh, and how he uses <laughs> jet in, in his yeah. offense. I mean, it, it, it's pretty phenomenal, man. I, I, I tried to watch some pit film uh, just trying to wrap my head around how he calls those shifts and everything. Um, and, and just how we can maybe morph some of that stuff into uh, our game plan and everything at the high school level. We had a we had a lot of shifts this year, at Broken Arrow, and and a lot of it was from uh, a lot of that pit film. And then uh, something that we haven't got to enough, and, and it actually got us a touchdown. Our first uh, in one of our first games, but we didn't go back to it a whole lot. Was that um, you know a bunch of a shift, and then um, bringing that that jet motion or that motion by the receiver out of under center and then reading. I'm not even really sure who our quarterback was reading is more of our, our offensive coordinators kind of baby, but um, it, you know, reading whatever that is pre-snap with the two, the tight end and the wing going for the jet sweep, everyone else running inside zone. And, and I think we, yeah. we stole that from them a bunch. We had a lot, we had almost every game of theirs uh, from two or three years ago, whatever it was. And so um, that was kind of a cool, it's kind of a cool concept, cool idea, and and I know I, I watched them run that like same play like six, seven times in a row, and maybe it was in their bowl game. I can't remember, but um, yeah, I think I'm seeing that a lot more. And and from the guys we've talked to, I'm pretty sure it, it actually is. You know, a a full read. I don't know if it's pre snap read or whatever it is, whether they're handing it to that sweep guy or if they're uh, handing off zone. But really splits a defense. Yeah, yeah. Even I mean, I you see it in the pro game now. Uh, where, I mean, you never really saw any true jet sweep in the NFL, just, I mean, to the athletes. I mean, you got guys that can run sideline to sideline, whereas, I mean, the high school level, you maybe have, I mean, the system where I'm at, you, you got maybe two or three guys on the field that could even come close to covering sideline to sideline. So um, being able to not only stretch the defense vertically, but horizontally, I mean, it just kind of adds a completely different wrinkle into the game. If you got a guy like Tyreek Hill, uh, I think it's a really good play. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty much anything. I, I would, I would just snap him the ball and just let him run. That's exactly right. Well, we got a, uh, you know, like I said, we do a lot of shifts and and uh, a different thing. I say a lot. We got, you know, quite a few different ones, and and I think it was really smart. Uh, now we're getting away from it, hopefully a little more this year, but uh, we were everything was on a wristband, but 
Um, you know, we just had an easy, quick tag for whatever motion it was. So if we wanted our tight end to go the opposite to the opposite side, we would say whatever that tag word is, uh, switch to, and then our and then our formation that we want him to end in. So if he hears switch, he always knows he starts away from the call, then uh, trades on over to it. Uh, so, uh, and then we had some, you know, add an ER to the end of that. And now it's fake like you're going across and then come back and line up where you were. And, and, you know, other than it just being really easy for our kids, I think another really smart thing was if the kids forgot or they were tired or um, whatever it was, they still got to hear the actual formation after the tag. So if all else fails, at least get lined up where the formation is and we'll be okay even if you don't shift on this play, which they normally did. Right. That's was, kind of been what I've heard from a lot of guys that do shift a bunch. Um, my only thing is just trying not to get super wordy with it. But, yes. I mean, if you're going to shift, I mean, you're going to get wordy yeah. with some stuff. Yeah, I was just wondering, like, Harpa, if, if that's something you guys do, like, you know, pre-practice or if it's if it's a segment, you know, kind of like you do, like, a screen segment on air, if it's just, you know, all right, we got a, a shift period and, and we're just kind of, you know, rolling through that stuff. I was, I was just wondering how you guys install it and then how you guys practice it. So we install it, yeah, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of times fullbacks and tight ends are with us, uh, with yeah. the offensive line. And so they obviously they don't have time to do it then. Uh, but when we go pass pro stuff is when the fullbacks tight ends coach, if he's not going to a little bit of seven on seven, you know, maybe he's got five minutes of practice where it's, he's just with fullback tight ends. They'll go over those shifts a bunch. You know, we'll go over it a lot preseason because you can at least talk to them you know, before season ever starts, and they can get that pretty easy. And then what I tried to do was, again, I, I got really lucky. Uh, our offense coordinator lets me script all of inside and so um, and, and kind of taking it from his lead. But uh, every almost every play we had was some kind of a shift in it. So we've got uh, – I can't remember how many, 10 different types of shift. And then on all those, you could add an ending and make it a little different. So let's say roughly – you know, 16 to 20 different shifts if you're adding those endings. And so every single uh, – every every play we had, no matter what, I found a shift that we could do with it and tried to use a different name each time just to kind of keep it fresh for those guys. But, again, you know, the best part was if it was too confusing to them because we got in some crazy formations and tried to do it out of some things. And we even had a shift where we go tackle over and, and some different things. The best part of it was, um, you know, by tagging it before the formation – even if you don't hear it, you don't know it, if you'll get lined up in the formation, we'll always be right. But uh, we got into that. The the thing that – there's two things that are, are unfortunate about it, Coach, and you hit on one of them was uh, things can get very wordy very easily. You know, if you're not careful um, and, and really you're trying to be concise, things get really wordy. And we were probably, you know, just come from our OC this year, we were probably too wordy this year uh, without the ability to – signal in some of the stuff now some of it like you said is going to be wordy if you want to get some different things in but we probably need to um you know be able to uh, not be so wordy in some of our just regular vanilla plays uh but but what it also allowed us you know so but then the other unfortunate thing is uh in Oklahoma anyways they don't spot the ball and start like a 40 second clock like they do in college they wait Whenever they spot the ball, they wind their arm 25 seconds. So, it, you know, from when they spot it and set it. And so it's like some, some, uh, some refs that we, that we had or some guys, some crews that we had, we had plenty of time to shift and then motion after the shift and then make a check or a kill or whatever. 
And then some of them, it was like, we better hurry out of the huddle, almost sugar huddle, get up there and get it snapped. So um, we, we also had the ability, which I think was really important, was, you know, the, the center kind of kept his eyes on the clock and, and so did we and so did the quarterback. And so if it's, you know, at 10 seconds, we're just getting out of the huddle, we know there's a shift on it. Uh, I'm, me and, you know, hopefully the center and the quarterback are all, hey, hurry, 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 hurry. You hear hurry, hurry. Uh, the shift's off, get right to where you're supposed to be, and let's get it snapped. I like that a lot. I think that all makes, you know, great sense. Uh, you know, in meeting with Coach Frost a couple times, you know, they'd, they'd gone to a lot of that um, on their, their P10 play, you know, coming off the sideline because he, he said, you know, kind of the magic juice of their offense was, you know, being a, a tempo deal. and Right. And, you know, if you didn't have tempo, you know, you're obviously coming off the sideline and people could line up. He felt like, you know, when they'd done their research, you know, teams were shutting them down on P10. So he said, we need to change something so teams can't just line up and tee off on us because, you know, they would have some tendencies when they're, you know, lining up a, a certain way. So they would always start off and he'd just have a list of openers like, okay, we're going to have, you know, 10 to 12 drives. They just have a different funky motion or shift every single time they'd come off the sideline. That way they weren't tipping their hand and teams would have to kind of go vanilla and they could, you know, get into some of the things they want to do. I thought that was pretty interesting, though, to, to plan those out. Well, yeah, I, I mean, it, it, you always talk about, like, people being simple and people wanting to keep it simple for everything. The shifts and the motions and stuff is just a great way to window draft. I mean, you may shift in motion 35 times and you're running the same play. I mean, but exactly. it looks completely different. And, and all those four two five guys, um, you know, I think that's where it gets really difficult on some of those guys. You know, if we're playing a team that's going to go 3-4 all the time, maybe there's no real point unless they're going to set, you know, a strength and do different things. But if it's just yeah. a straight up 3-4, they're not, you know, the left end plays the left end all the time, there's really not a whole lot, lot of reasons normally to, you know, trade the tight end or shift the fullback or, or whatever you want to do. Maybe – you know, we, we did have a bunch and shift to a bunch on the other side, so maybe that would be something, but um, not a whole lot of trading the tight end that, that really does, but you get a four-two-five team or uh, a team that's not going to be even across the board uh, that's got to call a strength or a team that likes to have, you know, the three technique to the tight end, then anytime you shift, they're changing everybody, you know, and, and, and we had some cool ones where we're in the eye and Luckily, we kind of, by the middle of the season, we had our, our tight ends and our fullbacks uh, dual top pretty well. And so we're in the eye to the left, and now the fullback shifts up to the right tight end, and the left tight end shifts back to fullback, and now we're strong to the right. And so we got to do a lot of those, of those things, and it kept it pretty, pretty simple to be able to do that. Um, and, and um, you know, as much as tendencies you got, maybe be able to shift. And then the biggest thing, and I can't remember, I think we've had a bunch of coaches on here say it, but it's hard, and, and you watch it in, in college bowl games. In pro games, you know, I, I forget who it was I was watching that uh, DBs didn't get it communicated. It was really easy. They went for two and won the game. Might have been the Chargers, but I can't remember. Anyways, um, it, in a few weeks ago. Anyways, even at the NFL level, get, getting those DBs to talk and communicate, and especially if a team's wanting to have the perfect coverage for the perfect everything, just shift in and then emotion makes those guys really, really communicate, see what they're going to do. Um, and especially in the high school level, it, it gets those guys thinking, not ready to go, and then, you know, questioning themselves. 
Yeah, I I completely agree with it too. I think you know, and you'd mentioned like your odd fronts. A lot of teams, you know, might might aim your your fullback. You know, they want to slant a certain way, and and all of a sudden now you're you're kind of changing, or you get them to change, and you run counter another direction. I mean, I, I think you can really play that guessing game with the 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 defensive coordinator, where all of a sudden now he guesses wrong, and you hit a big one. You know, now he's not going to go to to a lot of his movements, or you know, he might go away from from some of his pressures if you kind of know the guy a little bit. So I think you can gain some advantages there. And then same deal, like you're talking, well, if, if teams don't, you know, really change their, the way that they're going to play a defense. So three, four sits there and they stay, you know, relatively stagnant. They don't move anybody. Well, you run a certain play. Now you change up how they're going to fit it. You know, so maybe a will linebacker has to take on a lead block instead of, right. You know, he, he's normally scraping over the top of that ACE combination. So I think just, just making guys do something that maybe that, you know, they're not as comfortable doing, and and maybe now that you know the boundary safety is more of a run fitter, and and maybe now you get him to the field or something like that. I think it's just it, it can play a lot of a lot of fun things with the defense and put guys in situations where maybe they're not as comfortable. And then again, you know, if nothing else, hey, if I can take you know thirty five to forty minutes of of a D coordinator's preparation time, and he's got to work on those things and run it, you know, ten times in a game, maybe now I can I can win that way, and and I get a couple of plays that I get to practice that you know, that he's not going to be ready for. Coach McDonald, you, you talked about, you know, going to a little more too tight stuff. And so uh, my question is, and, it, and it's something I'm always intrigued about learning, but is uh, most of the high school coaches I ever talked to, you know, they all, a lot of them say the same thing. You know, we'd love to play the tight end. They don't even talk about two. We'd love to play the tight end, but we just don't have any of those kind of guys walking around our high school, you know, and, and it's one of those things where I want to be like, yeah, n- nobody does. You know, you got you to gotta develop tight ends. You got to, you know, be creative with different tight ends. So, um, especially you guys, like you said, going to a little more too tight stuff, what were some things that you guys are, are trying to do to, to develop young tight ends and develop to have more tight ends to where, um, you know, what we ran into a lot this year, at least our worry was, yeah, we're using, you know, not enough too tight end probably, but we use some too tight end. If one of those guys goes down, now, you know, a lot of our playbook's out. Well, better make sure we've got some guys developed that can go in there. So what are some things that you guys look to do uh, to develop your tight end position? Um, well, the big thing is, I mean, offensively, starting out, we were a lot of two-by-one with a sniffer, um, kind of the flavor of the month was that everybody's kind of starting to go to a little bit. Um, and then our quarterback issue kind of reared its head. So um, it was pretty easy kind of transitioning that fullback uh, or uh, – player into one of the tight ends and then we use our slot guys a lot which tend to be um <clears throat> ah, excuse me which tend to be kind of our bigger uh kind of rougher type receivers um and, and they just kind of fit well into that backside tight end role um but now kind of going into it more um I get to spend a lot more time with our fullbacks I get to spend a lot more time with those kind of hybridish wire receiver slot guys um teaching them more of the finer arts of blocking. Because um, the two guys we used this year, we got real lucky, had a good F-back, um, a good uh, fullback that we were able to put at one of the tight ends who was used to blocking, was used to kicking out on power, he was used to double-teaming on outside zone and inside zone. Uh, but we really had to work with our backside guy um, a little bit and uh, kind of teach him kind of the finer arts of blocking and um, some more technique work. Uh, but being able to get some time with those guys now has really kind of put us ahead of the curve. Um, if we ever do need to go back to that set, 
um, it, being if we ever need to get out of that spread stuff. So as you know, and I'm also always curious where you know where the fullbacks and where the tight ends fit in on each offense uh, during like indie periods. So is that um, you know, and everyone does it differently, but where are your fullbacks? Where are your tight ends? What are they doing uh, during indie? Are they doing a lot of time with with the offensive line, or are they kind of doing their own thing, or are they going to be uh, more with the running backs and the uh, seven on seven guys? They're with me about I'd say eighty to eighty five percent of the time. Um, we use a lot of our special team time for indie uh, offensive line wise. So obviously, I lose them during that time just because. Um, we're kind of a, a middle tier enrollment school in Indiana. Um, so, I mean, we're pretty 50 to 55 kids on the roster, uh, freshmen through senior. So, um, we just need, need extra bodies, uh, at that time, but being able to have that time with them outside of the special teams time is where we get a lot of our work done. Um, they will go to Indian some routes, uh, get some route work in. Wednesdays a little bit um, when we kind of switch over to our offensive period, but majority of Tuesday and a good chunk of Wednesday they're with me doing run block. Who uh, who coaches those guys up on on the route stuff? Is that on the kind of the OC QB coach? Do you have a receivers coach, or do you guys have a guy that's kind of designated for the <laughs> tight ends? It's kind of a, it's kind of more the receiving coach um, slash our quarterback coach, which is our head coach. Um, he kind of takes those guys during that time while I'm with the O-line. Um, and then if we do ever have some seven-on-seven seven scheduled, um, that's when I'll go down and kind of be a part of the seven-on-seven seven and leave the O-line guys with my uh, my cohort. I, we were lucky enough to have two pretty two pretty good offensive line coaches. Um, so I, I feel comfortable when I have to leave um, in there in pretty good hands with uh, our, our other O-line coach. Coach, we talked about a little bit. It actually got us, um, you know, a couple of really good plays. But uh, being able to go, you know, kind of shifts, and you were talking about 11, you know, and, and also being in some 20 by two by one, uh, we had a really nice, easy shift for us. That, but was it was, you know, start at tight end on the left, shift back to um, back sniffer back on the right, you know. So it's it's still a tight end. He's basically got still got all the same rules being a sniffer as or a fullback as he would a tight end out of 11. But now, you know, something completely different to a defense for us anyways. And so um, – and then we got to do some of that. We had a really good running quarterback at times, kind of a dual dual uh, quarterback system. But so we could go some empty and do some of that stuff as well um, and, and really mess with those guys. And it was a, it was a good shift for us and, and uh, a big ten- – you know, I think we had some really big tendencies out of 11 and then some very different tendencies out of 20. So to be able to line up in one or the other and then shift to the other one was um, – Again, just makes those guys think so much. Yeah, and that's – I mean, we were lucky enough. The personnel that we used, I mean, we could – we lined up in 12 um, pretty much 90% of the time. Um, but we could just as easily get into a 20 personnel package, just as easily get into empty, um, just as easily get into, I mean, 10 personnel with just what we had on the field. I mean, we had our tight end or our fullback was pretty much good enough to be that other backside slot receiver. And our backside tight end, who was our slot guy, um, turned out to be one of our better receivers on the year. Um, So we could kind of move him around a little bit um, and kind of change some protection stuff. So teams didn't necessarily know who was getting the ball or really what we were going to line up in. 
but I'd say 90% of the time we were single back, two tight end, and it really kind of forced the hand of some defensive coordinators um, going into the game. I mean, we knew we were getting one of two things. We were getting a tippy look where they roll some uh, outside linebackers down on those tight ends, or we were getting some sort of 4-4. Four, uh, four, four. Um, about two or three games into it, I mean, that's what teams just started lining up in. Right. Um, and they had to play very vanilla because huh. you line up, you line up in two tight end and, and can run the ball like we were able to, I mean, and be, have a running quarterback. I mean, it, it, it really messes with some people playing 11 on 11. That's exactly right. That was one of the biggest things that, that we kind of found out this year was we were very 21 personnel. Um, and, and we, by the end of the year, we got a lot of junk fronts, a lot of shifts or not shifts, a lot of, um, you know, guys, yeah, shifts at the last second by D line and blitzes and, and, you know, things like that, where when we would go to two tight ends, it, it makes them really, it really calms down most defensive coordinators, you know, and, and just like 21, but maybe even a little bit more, they've really got to pick their poison. Uh, are, are they going to sell out and stop the run more, or are they going to cover receivers? You know, and then uh, still one of my favorites that I stole from our head coach, and then one that Coach Walls ran all the time was, you know, the two tights with the two receivers on one side, you know, and, and so. Oh, it, yeah, we love that. I mean, that was, that was a fantastic formation for us. You get a 3-4 team. Uh, you, you know, the, they've really got to make a decision. What are, you know, what are they going to do? Uh, and a three, uh, to me, any team, it's not, it's still tough to do out of any defense, but especially that three, four defense, man, it gets, uh, how are you going to play that overhang to the receivers? How are you going to cover those receivers? Uh, now as you're, you know, you're going to go corners over and that, that poses some problems for them, or are you going to, you know, roll the safeties and now your corners playing, um, you know, boundary, uh, boundary run game. And so uh, I think that, and I stole, you know, Walls did that all the time and, and our head coach calls it God's formation, but um, it just, it's just so difficult on a defense, I think. Yeah, we, uh, that's pretty much the two formations that we use. And then we would get into some, some basically quad empty double tight ends. So we'd line up the two receivers, put our tail back to that side and then have the two tight ends in the box. That really, once you started doing that, that opened up a whole lot of can of worms um, because you just, I mean, our, our tailback, we'd motion across and we'd run smash with that backside tight end. And nine times out of 10, th that backside safety would never cover him. He just let him run by him. I mean, we hit six or seven just wide open corner routes, like four or five games in a row. Just teams would never see it coming um, or they should see it coming because we threw it a bunch. But I mean, just the versatility of being able to take that guy coming across with that jet look and then being able to run that quarterback on just even quarterback inside zone or quarterback outside zone or overloading that one side of the field and then run into the boundary, running outside zone with the quarterback to the boundary. I mean, it really was a pretty darn good formation for us <clears throat> and opened up a lot of can of worms um, and, and caused teams to to really struggle defensively. I mean, because like you said, I mean, they're going to have to balance up and play very vanilla because if they blitz and they blitz wrong, I mean, it's a, it's a house call. Five, yeah, five vertical threats against a defense secondary and eight gaps in the run game and a quarterback that's running. Yes, right. please. Right. I mean, it's pretty much a perfect storm offensively. 
And, and the reason I think it, that I like two tight ends so much is obviously uh, run the power. We, you know, one back power is, is one of my favorite plays. And so you go two tight ends, it makes it really easy. You don't have to be a rocket scientist back there to, uh, you know, opposite from right to left. So you teach him what you want the, the, the best look to look to be. Uh, make sure he, he gets it going that way. And, and uh, against most defenses, you should have a pretty good look uh, one way or the other. Yep. I mean, that's, uh, like I said, game plan wise, I mean, you knew what you were going to see pretty much the entire game um, just by forcing their hand into, into defending the formation. Either they're going to be balanced, they're going to be gap sound, or you're going to get a team just completely misaligned. Uh, we had a team uh, second or third round of the playoffs. I think it was second round of the playoffs that would play a four, three, because they were, they were not getting out of their too high safety look. Well, they're playing double nine to three in a one technique and then playing three linebackers in the box. Jeez. They were smoking, they were smoking gaps around the football. I mean, we were running inside zone and just bouncing out the back door just because they, I mean, they weren't, they weren't defending the backside B or the backside C yet. Yes, please. I'll I'll take some more of that. Right, right. So, I mean, it's and then you, I mean, once you kind of keep hitting that, then you force some teams' hands to just kind of blitz them and get out of what they normally do, and then that's when I mean you got somebody wrapped around your finger. Yeah, I always loved having the the versatility. You know, whether it was twelve or I mean, whatever you want to call it, twenty-one. If you got an H back, that can do a lot of things. I, I I probably told the story a few times on here, but at Tulsa, that was our, our base personnel group. We had a, an H-back, Willie Carter, who could do a lot of things. He was a tailback. He was a great receiver. He could block like a fullback because he was 230 pounds. And then we we had a tight end who was a former QB, so a smart guy that you could move around and shift, and he could line up, and he was 6'5", 240 pounds. And could do a lot of things. I remember one game against UAB. I mean, we had it rolling. I think we ran like 98 plays of offense. And the, the they kept getting mad because every time, you know, they'd ask the guy in the booth, what's the personnel? It's 21. What's the personnel? 21. And we're in like empty trips. You know, I mean, bunch formations, regular 21-I. And, and it was the same personnel every single time. So they had to like formation check. And it just caused them a ton of problems. They didn't know where we were coming from. And it's, it's because, you know, those guys get so put on default, that you know, they want to be personnel driven. And what's their tendency? You know, well, we were 50-50 in 21 personnel, and we were running 16 formations. So good luck, you know. Right. And that's when you talk about adding that 35 to 40 minutes of prep time. I mean, that's, that's almost impossible to defend. I mean, you, like you said, you have to formation check everything. Um, and then it, got, it gets real easy when you line up a couple of times in a certain formation and, and you can pretty much tell what that team's going to end up doing because, I mean, a team's not going to carry more than one or two formation checks into a game to defend a certain uh, formation. And then you, you sugar them or you tempo them, which, I mean, at Tulsa we were going really fast. It, it caused them even more problems. So now it was just, you know, super vanilla. They, they'd line up in their regular base front and they couldn't even get their, you know, their formation check in. Right, right. That's immediate tempo. Go fast, pedal to the metal. Well, and you see two tight ends so rarely and probably even more rare in the high school game that um, it's also, at least where we are, it's not something that people are just used to getting ready for, no. you know. And, and so, and that's what, and it's so funny because I, I feel like just last year, Walls, me and you were talking about, 
man, I, I'm just waiting for a team in the Big 12 to go big and smash people because it's different. And now they're going to have to get ready for something different. And they've been recruiting small, fast guys, and now they're going to have to get ready for someone to, you know, do something completely different and shove it down their throat and, uh, you know, being the only book on the shelf. And now we see the guys from North Dakota State coming to Kansas State, and it's going to be uh, – that'll be exciting for us to watch. But kind of comes back again to, at least in, in our area, the, what we do is, is just so – different from what everybody else does you know um the roc always says we set the set the game of football back 30 years you know have there's times we have no receivers out in the field you know trying to get a trying to get one yard but um you know how much do guys work that and even when they do uh the only full speed they can work it is is in practice against their their jv or whoever it is and it's just they're not getting good looks and and they're not getting those feels and and how many times, you know, as, as like you said, a, a weak linebacker, you know, whatever, normally he's never sees a tight end. Now he's seeing a tight end all the time. He's got to learn these fits. And so, um, and like you said, Coach, uh, Coach McDonald is, is, you know, how's the defense going to play this? Are they, are they going to bring safeties down now? You know, are they leaving their corners alone? And, and uh, it, it really makes them make some decisions and probably some ones that they haven't got to think about very long because, uh, you you probably one of the only few teams that run it very often. Two tight ends, right? And that's kind of what we saw. I mean, the majority of our conference was all spread gun. I mean, we we have one that's or two right. teams that kind of mm-hmm. dabble in some flex bone option out of the gun, but I mean, it's all spread. It's all spread. I mean, that. Uh, I mean, over the past what five, six, seven, eight, nine years. I mean, that's kind of what football has turned into. So I mean, it's kind of like the big, uh, the big unicorn. Seeing a team that's able to run two tight ends and or even out of twenty-one person. I mean, just to see a true I formation is. I, I can't tell you the last time I broke down film of an opponent that actually ran an I formation. I mean, it's it's almost like uh, like the VHS, it's like dead technology. So that's right. When you see, when you see a team that uses it, I mean, you're right, and it you hit the nail on the head. It it forces some teams to. And kind of rethink how they're going to practice it. And, and you know, a lot of times the answer is, oh, well, we'll just have our, our safety. Uh, he's just going to fit in the run. He's going to be in the run fit heavy this this uh, this week. And you're like, yeah, well, he hasn't worked that all year. So let's see, uh, let's see how much fun he has trying to tackle our back uh, after not working anything all year. And then right. It, I've it's seen funny. him on the hash a lot. That's right. <laughs> and and uh, it's funny because, you know, we get to do some scrimmages and, and different things before the season. We go to other states and, and we get in certain formations that they'd never – and they have no idea how to line up to it. You know, we would get in, in some 21 uh, with our, our sophomores and different younger guys and and uh, you'd see a safety out there who, who had never, ever, ever seen 21 personnel, I guess, because he's looking around and can't find where the, his second receiver is. Or uh, where's the trips on the other side? And like, no, no, dude, there's not. You got to come, come, uh, screw down and, and play in the run. And it's just really funny to see that. And then the other thing I've said a lot on here is, it's really funny to watch a team that's going to be uh, spread up tempo. That's their offense, and uh, watch them in pregame try to have their their freshman team or their sophomores uh, repping <laughs> our offense for their defense pregame and they can't even get a snap under center. Their quarterback's never taken a snap under center. Um, and, and it's, I, I had a few games this year that me and me and the other offensive line coach, we were just laughing because um, it was just that they couldn't even execute a snap. 
<laughs> yeah, it's I mean, it's taking a snap under center for a lot of teams. It's a lost art. That's I mean, right. We we did it. I mean, just to uh, quarterback sneak. I mean, we would run quarterback sneak every time we'd come under center. We did it like six times in a game, and teams had or had no idea what we were doing because we were coming up under center, and, and literally it was like the only thing that we did out of it. We got me and Coach Walls. Uh, we got to the state championship game in fifteen purely because a team never, ever, ever t- uh, took a snap under center. I yep. say never. I don't ever remember them doing it. No. And they're up, they're up 21, I think, or 14, or I think 21. Yeah, and, they had a chance to put us away early. And they were getting in like this diamond, but with two big linebackers as their diamond formation and just crushing it all the way down the field, smashing our face in. And then they get on the one-yard line, and they – do this shift, and the quarterback runs up really fast behind the center and set up, and they're trying to do quarterback sneak. They fumble on the one-yard line going in to make it like 28, them to be up by 28. They fumble it because the first time they've ever taken a snap under center. I say first time, but and they never do it. I mean, they're, I never saw them do it. They fumble it. We get it back, and we end up winning the game uh, pretty handily, but probably would have put the game away if they if they score that and just – you know, take a regular snap for them out of shotgun or if they ever practice uh, taking it from under center. Yeah, it got, them, it got them a little bit panicked because, you know, we get the ball back and we go down and score, and then they go back into, okay, I guess, well, we can't run the ball anymore. You know, we got, we're going to have to score with these guys. So completely changed the game because, you know, a dude fumbles a, a snap from under center. Well, and, and, and we went to Rice, and, uh, you know, they're all from Stanford. They're, they're guys from Stanford, and – and I know Stanford does this as well, but I think it's their sixth or seventh day of install. All they're working is goal line, and they make their quarterback take probably 200 snaps that day of a center and a four-point. And, I mean, it's completely different, and it's a big, big deal um, to be able to do that. And nothing – if you don't have a running quarterback, probably nothing makes me sicker than, than when teams are, are third and one or third and goal, um, short and goal, whatever it is. And and they're in the gun. It just uh, it just makes me almost sick just to think how much how many yards we're giving up. But uh, you know, a lot of really good colleges do it, and and they still are are fine with it. But uh, it gives me the chills in a bad way. Yeah, it's yes, most definitely. I mean, I've seen it plenty of times where guys are lining up in the gun at like you said, third and one or whatnot, get blown up, and it's fourth and five, uh, or, or mishandle a gun snap, and it's I mean, right. you're you're dead from the start. Heck, you saw you saw it last night in the national championship, man. Yeah. Alabama of all yep. teams not being able to get a yard, you know, and then okay, let's run, you know, quarterback sweep on on fourth down from the gun. I mean, and all that penetration, it was it, it was it was hard to see, you know, because again, I don't know how much you know they're doing under center either now, you know. Yeah, not much, or at least I mean a little bit. I think I've seen yeah. kind of out of them this season, but I mean it's kind of one of those things. I mean it's like the the new thing shows up in the game and it's like everybody kind of kind of catches on like wildfire like the three three stack and all this spread gun stuff and and things like that i mean it's like everybody wants to do it and a lot of teams don't have the athletes to do it uh or teams are looking more at the scheme than what would fit their players that's just putting your kids behind the eight ball just trying to teach and coach something one that you may not be comfortable coaching but two it just doesn't fit your kid. I'm I'm hoping my my big thing is I get a quarterback like Clemson has and three receivers like they have. 
I hope I, I, can, I hope I can get that offense because I think I'll be a really good coach if I got those guys. Right, right. I, I think I'd hold them back a couple of years as sophomores to make sure they can uh, get six state <laughs> titles out of them or whatnot before they uh, they age out of their eligibility. Well, that was to me the whole point of having the spread and especially like air raid. It seemed uh, to me anyway was was it was something different. It was like. We're going to do this. No one else does this. And it's a, it's a pain for anyone to uh, try to defend. I remember at Houston, it was probably in the, you know, it wasn't the very first thing, but uh, you know, well, we weren't the first team to be using it, but we were one of the first teams to do it with that kind of tempo. And it was like, Hey, no one's ever seen this. No one in our conference runs it like this. And so it's something completely new to these teams. Well, now uh, that's what a lot of teams have gone to or the majority of teams have gone to. And then, like you said, now, uh, a little more 20 personnel with that sniffer in there. Now a bunch of teams are going to that. So now that's not that's not really doing anything different than anybody else does. Now it's it's almost like the big the big guy football is is what no one's doing and and that's kind of the the new thing because it's so few people do it. Right. And that's I mean that's what kind of tips my hand back to kind of going to more of a pro style type offense is that nobody does it. I mean just seeing what teams had to do against our two tight end stuff, but then to add some shifts and, and some motions and things like that, teams struggle playing smash mouth football with six or seven guys in their six or seven defenders in the box. I mean, it's, you can really force some teams to do some really stupid stuff defensively um, with not having to get super complicated with your kids offense. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's just so important to, you know, even if you're going to have, you know, different kids every single year, having an offensive system where you, you can do all of those things. You don't have to do all those things, but we have the ability to do all those things. So, you know, almost starting from that foundational level of teaching simple, basic two-back football, you know, so everybody understands strong power, everyone understands weak side power, everyone understands ISO, you know, and if you have a, a toss play or lead outside zone. You know, starting there. So, hey, if we got the horses, we got tight ends, we got fullbacks, boom, we can do this. You know, or we have a running QB and, and we got a, a bigger back, we can run this stuff. And then, okay, all of a sudden, another year, we have three really good receivers and we have a great receiving tight end and we got a, a, a Trevor Lawrence at quarterback, you know, that's going to be able to sling the thing. You still have that ability to all of a sudden maybe, you know, shift to do those things. But, you know, having that multiplicity within your system but also still teaching that, that basic, you know, football, not starting from 10 personnel and starting with, you know, bubble screens and, and throwing the ball out wide and running just inside zone. Hey, let's start here. We're going to teach you basic football and we can branch out from there and, and see what we have each year. Because, you know, it seems like every single year, you know, a different run play be, becomes our best run play, you know, be it power, be it, you know, be it outside zone, whatever it might be. I just think starting from that point, is so so important because it just builds you guys that that basic knowledge base of, of football. Well, well, coach, um, you know, kind of coming up on an on an hour, uh, and the last thing we always like to ask people is, or that I like to ask is, when you're watching someone else's offensive line play, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think uh, really highly of them? The big thing for me is you can kind of watch film and kind of tell and look at guys communicating. Um, I mean, I stress to my guys. I, guys, I don't care what you do. I don't care how you do it. I, but you have to communicate down the line to everybody to figure out and depict and kind of dissect the defense that you're playing against. 
um, when you're watching film or when I'm watching film and I see a team that's really rolling and see those five guys up front talking and kind of pointing and, and kind of telling each other what's going on, um, I mean, that really kind of shows a lot about that coach. Because, uh, kid, I mean, kids, especially in high school, um, a lot of teams don't, don't do that much, which is unbelievable because um, it all kind of starts up front. I mean, we, we've been talking about all sorts of different types of offenses, but, man, it doesn't matter what you do if you ain't got five guys that can get it done up front. Um, so that's probably, I'd say, the biggest thing for me um, and just kind of seeing teams use that good technique. Um, all Obviously, if they're a zone team stepping down, um, getting good zone doubles or they're a gap scheme team kind of doing good good gap doubles and good pull stuff. I mean, it's kind of those types of things uh, with the communication and technique is kind of the first thing I look at. Well, Coach, man, we appreciate you coming on. You <clears throat> taking some time out of, out of your uh, your busy schedule to do a little bit of clinic, and it was it was fun talking some ball with you, man, talking some shifts and, and talking some old school football. You know, that's always kind of the, the stuff that's really close to RTP's heart. So appreciate it, Coach. Hey, no problem, guys. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was an honor. Uh, look forward to possibly doing it again sometime. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it'll allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.